In this week's update, did the market just repeat the October 2022 bottom? How to think about tough markets and what's happening with commodity markets. My name's Gary Davis. As always, this is General Advice Only. And please remember to like and subscribe to the video. Let's start with a normal market perspective. And there was a, a, uh, a big, big reversal in the US on Friday night, which I want to talk about. But following on from last week, there are plenty of reasons why a contrarian approach makes sense at this point in time. However, there are plenty of things that could still derail uh, the market. So just in case, I think it's prudent to ensure that the majority of what you own is still going to do very well in what could continue to be a, a pretty tough environment and certainly an inflationary environment. I think inflation is going to be staying um, higher for longer. Whether we've seen the, the peak or not remains to be seen. But I think that's just the prudent step is, um, is just to be conservative and assume that things are not going to get rapidly better. And um, you, can, you can benefit that case very much in, in the way that you uh, select stocks. The bearish phases are tough, either across the whole market or in particular sectors. And we're seeing, we're seeing that certainly in some sectors at the moment. But during bear phases, uh, prices often fall way too far for quality growth stocks. And we're seeing some opportunities in that area at the moment. It's because people's emotions just take over and they just dump good stocks along with bad stocks without any real regard for, uh, for value or quality. So bargains nearly always assured when you get the sort of sentiment that we've got at the moment. <clears throat> and if, the, if you think about it, if you've got a quality stock that's going to continue to grow its earnings through the cycle um, and it's not expensive at the moment, then the, the long term in three to five years time of where the share price is going to end up remains pretty much the same. It's going to get there or very close to it. So therefore, if the price falls further in the short term, then the greater the long term return. and Whilst that's logical when you see it put like that, when you're in the heat of battle, it's often very easy to forget that and you see prices falling day after day and you just get despair about where your investments are going and it's easy just to basically dump them and sell out. So please remember that, that the further the prices of quality stocks that can grow in difficult environments fall, then the greater the long-term return that you're able to get. So Friday night in the US with the jobs report, the jobs report came in certainly at the headline level hotter than what the market was expecting, a lot hotter than what the market was expecting. But there were a few caveats to that. So the initial market reaction was very bad, was very negative. Yield spiked up to about 4.85 and the market um, fell sharply. But then very quickly, there was a very sudden and very abrupt reversal as cooler heads looked at the data and realized that it wasn't as bad as what was first thought. And we got a massive reversal in October of last year. And this one looks quite similar to my way of thinking. We'll get there in a minute. So it wasn't just the market reversing as it did. So it's not just the chart. It's when it does that, when sentiment is bad and the news is bad, 
it's usually meaningful. And that's what happened in October last year. Tech stocks were getting absolutely murdered all year throughout 2022. And it seemed like the, you know, the, the news would just continue to be, uh, to be really poor for, uh, for the tech stock majors, in fact, for the entire technology sector. And yet it all turned around when the news was seemingly bad and, and having little chance of getting better. And that's pretty similar to where we're at now. In fact, right now it's probably even worse because I think the sentiment is, uh, is even worse for the whole market. Whereas then it was very much about technology being on the nose. So it's, it's that as well that gives me confidence that what we saw on Friday night is, is quite possibly the low point in this, in this little uh, bearish phase that we've had, certainly at least for some parts of the market. So in the end, because of that very abrupt reversal on Friday, the S&P actually ended up half a percent across the weeks. So that was a pretty good effort. But I can tell you in the first half hour, um, of trading, things looked, uh, things looked pretty rugged in the US market. Sentiment was so bearish though, and I spoke about this last week, that uh, the odds would favour a bounce of 4,200 to 4,220. And in fact, that's where the market went to, went to 4,220 and turned around uh, very, very hard. And it was the biggest that we've seen since October 2022. I'll look at that in just a minute. The US dollar index was through all that. It went up and then it went back down again and it was steady across the week at 106. The 10-year yield still low, whilst it came off a little bit from its highs on Friday, still finished at 4.8, which is a 16-year high. So this is such a different environment to just a year or two ago. And I don't think that can be understated. And the market is still adjusting to that reality. We had 30 or 40 years of interest rates falling and now we're in a different environment. And so of course, stocks are going, to, are going to behave differently. So if you're still trying to apply the old formula of, of investing, you know, just diversify across the market and everything will be fine. Um, then you need to think again, because this is an environment that we've not seen in many, many decades. Now the VIX uh, ended up being stable at 17.5 and the, and the 10-year, two-year spread um, has narrowed again back to negative 0.3 as, uh, as the two-year yield uh, fell. So let's jump in and take a look at some of the charts. In fact, first of all, I'll just look at the, um, this is the 10-year yield. And let's look at the year to date, just to give you a sense. So there's the 10-year yield, and it's on that. Um, on that view across nine, nine and a bit months, it's pretty hard to see the spike in the reversal on, uh, on Friday night. In fact, you can't see it at all, but certainly you can see the trend. And um, a previous peak in March, that was at um, just a tick over four, and now we're, uh, we're marching on towards five. So that certainly is never helpful for, um, for stocks. Stocks will uh, will never do well in uh, in this sort of environment. So we need to see a, a bit of a um, a bit of a peak here in the ten year yield. If that keeps rising for whatever reasons, then it's going to be very difficult for uh, for the market. 
Okay, let's have a look at some of the charts. So this is the S&P, and this was Friday night. As you can see, we got down to a low of 42.19, and that was very close to the 200-day moving average and also this these support levels and also the 38.2% retracement from this peak in July, going back to the lows on the 12th of October last year. And that really is the session in question. That's where it turned around for the market as a whole, and that's where it turned around for the technology sector. That, that was a massive reversal candle. Big gap down, huge range, close near its highs, completely engulfed um, multiple prior sessions. This is not quite as dramatic, but we did gap down. We traded down a little bit, and then we traded up and closed near the highs. And we took out the previous three or four days of, um, of trading range. So this was, this was pretty meaningful. And, and as I said earlier, it's even more meaningful given the fact that sentiment was just appalling and the news wasn't good. So when you see the market do this, when the news isn't good, you, you know that most of the, um, most of the selling has been done. So I think the odds are very much against falling into a bear market. But look, there's, there's even more reason to think that that is the case. Um, in fact, let me just do one other thing first before I go and look at the spreads. So I just want to show you a, a couple of the, the key technology charts. So this is Google. It hasn't exactly been in a bearish trend, has it? When you look at it, this is far, far outperforming. The S&P, but a very, very good response on Friday night. So same with Meta. This has had a consolidation, but was still had been in a very powerful uptrend, which really hadn't been broken. We were nowhere near the 200-day moving average. And then Microsoft, a little bit, um, a little bit weaker than the other two, but nevertheless, still a very good turnaround on Saturday night, on Friday night. So, you know, when you look at these charts. Um, it really is hard to be bearish. In fact, you, you sort of scratch your head and wonder why the market has been um, so bearish. So let's take a look at, um, at the money flows because this just reinforces what I've been saying, that th this is, this is not, these charts are not telling us that the market is about to fall over into some sort of protracted bear market, as, you know, as many commentators are, um, are pointing to. This is the NASDAQ versus the S&P, the NASDAQ being the more aggressive um, sector part of the market. It ended up rising throughout the week with there's no evidence of what happened back here at the start of 2022 when we rolled over into a bear market. It looks, in fact, it looks almost exactly the opposite. So that, that's the first chart. Second chart, importantly, semiconductors versus the S&P <clears throat> continued to outperform last week but it wasn't just on friday it was outperforming before that anyway looking at the sectors no real change to the order they're all pretty much the same and consumer staples look at consumer staples at the bottom this is the sector if we're going into a very bearish phase this is the sector that should be doing a heck of a lot better than this it's, um, it's dragging right at the end of the field and failed to turn up on on Friday night when everything else did. Now, 
energy relative to other sectors, that gap is definitely narrowing and energy was sold off over the last um, week or so, but uh, is still leading on a quarterly basis. Just one other chart on the US. This is growth versus value, Russell 1000 growth versus value. Look, look at that. Look, look at what it did back here in um, December 2021 and the start of 2022. This couldn't look any different. So I really don't understand where this sort of bearish sentiment, which has taken hold of um, of the market, is coming from, because certainly the price action does not support that. And if we look at the Australian market, energy did get a whacking last week. So the Bages, Woodside, Santos, etc., did get hit hard, and um, finance actually ticked up. Um, but we've still got healthcare at the bottom of the the pile. We've got small caps still historically at um, multi-decade lows relative to other parts of the market. So there's a great opportunity there, but there's equally there is no momentum there either. So you just want to be a little bit careful. All right. So that's the um, that's the U.S. market, and I'll just have a look at the currencies while we're here. So we did spike hard to over 107, but uh, but came back a bit in the last few days, and the Australian dollar was pretty much the mirror image of that. But we're sort of flirting with this 63 level and definitely uh, trending down. All right, Aussie stocks, uh, 63.25 is where we finished. Our market lost 1.3% across the week, but hopefully the index can pick up some of that lost ground on Monday. Um, a key point, which I've been making to members because perspective about what's happening in the market, both short-term and long-term is just really important. And it's very instructive to recognize that even the highest returning stocks tend to spend less than 35% of their time in an uptrend. The rest of the time they're going down a bit, they're going sideways, they're consolidating, they're doing all sorts of other things. That's just a bit of a bit of a mishmash of price movement, but it's really only about a third of the time that even the best of the best are trending to the upside. So if you're in a period of six or twelve months, or sometimes even longer, where a really great stock is is not going up, when everything would seem to indicate that it should be the fundamentals, then just chill out, just relax, just understand that you've you know, you've got a very good stock and it's going to reach that end point if you just leave it alone and let it play out. So the message is, you know, keep your eyes on the prize. Now, to do that, you need to have great confidence that the stock that you're invested in will actually reach that end point, that the business will continue to grow. The earnings will be there. The market will reward those earnings with an appropriate uh, PE multiple and that the price will ultimately get to that destination. So you've got to have that confidence. And, um, you know, for most people, it's hard to have that confidence because you're just not immersed in the market enough to do the work, to do the research. And that's certainly what I spend a great deal of time on keeping my members appraised of. So a continually refreshed perspective, I think, is your most valued asset. Re recommendations are 
way down the pile somewhere. It's having an accurate plan and an accurate perspective on how things uh, are likely to unfold. And as I said last week, energy was the big loser, down 6.6. Let's take a quick look at the 6200. So we've broken down, as you can see, reasonably significantly. We also broke some, some key support levels, just. That's not really a break, I guess. And we kicked up and hopefully we can kick up again on, uh, on Monday. But certainly when you step back and look at the ASX 200, we're trading at the same level that we were at in uh, February of 2021. So two and a half years, uh, the moving averages, including the 200 day moving average uh, are all uh, turning down, will turn down and the price is, is comfortably below all of them. So this is. This is looking pretty negative and the, the index really does need to bounce from here, I think, to get sentiment back on track. Now let's look at gold. Um, gold managed a, uh, a bit of a bounce last week, looks the daily first of all. So we got a nice bounce on Friday night that, um, that came with the US dollar uh, easing back. But if we look at it on a, on a weekly, we're still again stuck where we were in July of 2020. So more than three years, gold has really just been uh, pivoting around this, this point around the sort of 1850, 1830 to 1850 mark, which is where we are at the moment, and just going above and beyond, but essentially just sideways. Uh, I'll have more to say on that uh, in a minute when we get to the gold chart. And if we look at silver on a daily basis, it looks very similar to gold. So we lost another $16 down to uh, 18.33, which is the midpoint of the last three years of activity. There was a reversal of sorts, but look, it would take a lot more than just a single day reversal uh, of that dimension to get me interested in gold producers again. We were lower in, um, in Aussie dollars now, just roughly 2,900, but look, that's still very profitable territories. So our gold stocks. Our gold producers really should be doing uh, a lot better than they are. Precious metal stocks. Some of the majors around the world are, um, are seeing um, long-term production forecasts going down but by their own figures, not by analysts' projections. This is, this is management actually putting it out there, how they see their production profile in coming years. And of course... Everyone is experiencing escalating costs. So when you put uh, mildly deflating, admittedly, but nevertheless deflating long-term production and rising costs, you don't need to be very bright to work out what that does to profits. And so therefore, using stocks as a way to get leverage to the gold price, which is you know, what people have done forever, is looking at pretty poor trade at the moment. The only producers you should be looking at are ones that are growing their production profile and have got their costs well and truly uh, under control and in the lower quartile. And that's why I've been saying for a long time now that tier one developers remain the best play because you get, you get upside in the share price as the project uh, progresses. 
So you de-risk the project. That gives you your share price gain uh, or indeed takeover potential. Uh, and there's a lot more takeover potential uh, to come yet because the majors are seeing, looking down the pipeline and seeing that their long-term production is, um, is waning as, you know, as mines deplete. So in the gold sector, that remains my, my overall um, assessment that, that it's the tier one developers, the world-class, the best of the best, that are the best plays out there. Turning to other commodities, copper fell again down to 356, really does look very somber in the, uh, in the base metals market. Nickel was also down at 828. Uh, but look, with base metals and particularly copper, prices must rise to incentivize because we're looking at a very, very significant uh, deficit in a couple of years. And there is no way that the energy trends transition can occur with the current level of copper production. There just won't be enough. And, and there won't be enough unless prices go up significantly to, to incentivize a massive increase. We're not talking about a, just a small increase in, in exploration activity. There's got to be a massive increase and the price has to rise for that to happen. Now, that means that the long-term leverage, and I'm talking three to six to eight years, is now extreme in the junior explorers because they've been beaten up um, terribly in the last uh, 12 months or so. So the long-term there for the ones that are going to make it, and that's the trick, understanding what are the, what are the ones with the X factors that are almost certainly going to make it because many, many of them won't. But the long-term leverage there now is quite extreme. That's not a reason to buy because you know, if they've lost 50, 60%, they could halve again in price with sentiment this bad. But they certainly need to be on your watch list for the longer term. Now, crude oil um, fell over, came back from, uh, from well into the 90s, back to 82.8. And that was on U.S. gasoline inventory spiking up. But look, I mean, they're numbers that move around um, on week-by-week basis. So I think this was just a bit of a correction of excess that, that had to happen because, to me, that the landscape is not that much different to what it was the week before. So the odds um, favour this bit of weakness in the oil um, price as being temporary, in, in my view. And whilst you don't want to jump in when prices are falling sharply, we're now getting down to what I think will prove to be another, yet another good entry opportunity for the energy sector. It's just it probably got a bit of ahead of itself, and um, and now we're getting that um, that inevitable correction. Just a quick chart I want to show you on the energy sector. So this is crude oil, and let's have a look at crude oil. Basically, what it's done this year. So you can see we did get up to around the 94 mark. We've come back fairly sharply, but we've come back to where these peaks were um, in the first half of the year, around the low low 80s. So I think this is probably just the, the correction that had to happen and um, certainly be, um, be aware of opportunities in the energy market. 
Big news on lithium. Lithium also terribly out of favor. Um, and probably with some substance to this, I don't think this is, this is just a, um, a media hype thing. Um, there is weaker demand still in China. Uh, there's much question about that. The Chinese consumer is, um, is not opening their wallets as was expected. And the normal restocking cycle has not emerged either as a consequence of that. So there certainly is some weaker demand in certain areas. Um, but then conflicting with that, I, I did read some statistics a, a day or so ago that said that electric vehicle um, sales were still pretty buoyant. So those, those two data points don't exactly match up. But look, I think there's enough that, I've shifted a little bit on lithium. I think there is enough substance now to just be a little bit more conservative and not not assume that you know everything is just going to be fine in the lithium market. Now, reportedly, supply has increased. Demand, let's say, question mark. Supply reportedly increased, but I haven't actually seen any hard data that supports that. That's just anecdotal. But what we have got is um, multiple major broking houses are now all expecting large deficits to not emerge now until 2027. And that in fact, very soon, the, the lithium market is going to be dropping into a surplus. Now, I don't know whether that's true or not, but the fact that uh, JP Morgan, Morgan Stanley, UBS, and a couple of others are all saying the same thing means you shouldn't ignore it. Now, it doesn't make them right, and they may not be right because you know they've made pretty bad calls before. Goldman Sachs has made some pretty poor calls before. But um, I think there is enough there to be a bit more conservative when it comes to lithium and perhaps just water down your expectations. Now, spodumene, which hit, I think, an absolute spot market peak of around 8,000, Dollars a ton is now down to uh, twenty two fifty, but that eight thousand was always uh, cloud cuckoo land that was never sustainable. Um, twenty two fifty is still profitable territory. We've, we've got to remember that we're down a long way, but this is still very profitable territory for um, those producing spodumene concentrate. But according to the brokers, it's heading for thirteen hundred. Now the the costs. Are, um, are somewhere around the 600 to 800 mark for um, for most of the producers. So it's still profitable, but just not the, the super profits that they had before. But on the other side, these stocks are trading on very low PE multiples. They're on single digit PEs. So if those producers were, in Australia were um, trading on PEs of 15 or 20, then I think you'd have justification to be very concerned. But the fact that they're trading on very low PEs um, and, and the market has already discounted their future earnings quite significantly, then, um, you know, perhaps there's not, not a huge amount of downside, but sentiment is just terribly negative towards lithium right at the moment. So a bit of conservatism probably warranted there because it could get worse. Sentiment is very bearish. It could get a bit worse yet. But anyway, we will see. As always, just play play it as it comes. 
the long term, I think, remains unchanged. It's really just a matter of perhaps re-weighting, re-weighting your exposure to lithium for a temporary period and, um, and keep monitoring for re-entry opportunities. There's the six-month spot copper chart, bit of a bounce towards the end of the week. And the same with nickel, but uh, they're certainly in, in downtrend, and that needs to turn around pretty quickly. So wrapping it up, this is a period, it's a tough period, where managing emotions and being very clear about what you're doing is absolutely paramount. You've got to be very clear, open-minded. You've got to have great targets. Let's go right back to the start of this video. You really do need to be owning the really high quality stocks that can grow their earnings in this sort of environment and the sort of environment that we're quite possibly going to have over the next couple of years. Um, so that's, uh, that's really important. These stocks to do that, they've, they've almost certainly got exposure to mega trends. Otherwise they're just not going to be able to sustain that earnings growth unless they are in areas of rising demand. They also need to have pricing power so that they can combat inflation or offset inflation. And they need a big strategic moat so that they can stand head and shoulders above their competition. So those three things are absolute gold. If you can find stocks that can tick those three boxes, and certainly with, you know, with highlighting those in my member services, then you're in much better shape than um, just some sort of arbitrary generally diversified approach to the market. Portfolio analyst last week, it was uh, the review of September, sitting back and having a look at how, how it unfolded and what lessons we can learn from what happened in September. We also looked at the art of setting stop losses uh, and you need a, a very clear process that keeps the emotions out of it. Uh, we also looked at my highest conviction um, growth stocks as well. So uh, a good session, and of course, for anyone that hasn't um, tried Portfolio Analyst, there's, there's a $1 trial for two weeks. I think you'd get a great deal out of that. There's more information on the website. Here's my email address, and I'll be back with you next Sunday. Cheers.